The first four games of the Razorback football season are going to determine exactly what type of record this team will finish with in the regular season. We'll dive into the scenarios of what could happen in that situation. Also, we got to hear from Dominic Bowman, the new cornerbacks coach for Arkansas, had some really cool things, and also why people need to really pump the brakes on criticizing Hudson Clark at the cornerback position. We'll talk about it on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Tuesday as uh, we continue on through fall camp and uh, have a chance to hear from some coaches and some players and get some fun facts and some background and all that good stuff and Really just hope that each and every one of them are telling us the truth when it comes to how practices are going. Kind of just have to give it to them in that regard. But still, there are a few things that is exciting and, and really exciting to talk about and get to hear from, especially with some new coaches that are on the roster or on the staff and then new players that are on the roster and all those things too, which we'll talk about, especially in the cornerback position uh, here in just a second. But I, I wanted to dive into something that I thought was was kind of interesting as we get closer to the season. I actually went on a radio show or a podcast, I should say, the other day and talking about the Razorback football schedule and how difficult it is, which, you know, I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't already know. Yes, we it's we're aware it's a very difficult schedule. It is every single year. But when you really get into the details of this schedule and start breaking it down game by game, looking at the flow of the schedule, when the bye week hits, all of those things, it really opens you up to giving you a better idea of what this team is going to do or what they're going to be capable of doing this upcoming football season. And, you know, the more I looked at it, people always talk about it's how you finish, which, of course, that's truth. Like, it's always going to be that way when it comes to the regular season. Just look at last year with Arkansas. The way they finished the season was strong, and it made the season that much better. But for me, we're going to get a really good indication of how this season is going to go within the first four games of the season. And even though that's just a third of the schedule, and even though there are only two of the six SEC games in that stretch, to me, this is going to be the indication of, okay, what's this team capable of? How good did they possibly be? Because as we know, last year, Arkansas started 4-0. Granted, they didn't only beat one SEC team. They beat Texas A&M in that stretch and did have a nice win against Texas. But I feel like that in this upcoming season, it's going to give us a better idea. And here's why. The first four games of the year are at, with Cincinnati at home, South Carolina at home, Missouri State at home, and then A&M in Arlington. So essentially, you have three and a half home games, we'll call it, because let's be honest, anytime you go down to Arlington, there's always a lot of Razorback fans that are going to be there in a, as is seen, a neutral site game. So you have three and a half home games, essentially, to start the year, and two of those games being against SEC opponents. Now, three of the four games... I would say are going to be difficult. 
Cincinnati to start the year, who we saw being uh, the number 22 team in the coaches poll with Arkansas being at number 23, which is still crap. I don't believe it. But anyways, I'm not going to go on a tangent about that just yet. But Cincinnati's going to be a top 25 team. You got South Carolina, a, a team that you haven't played in quite some time with a quarterback in Spencer Rattler that people are thinking that could maybe change the whole dynamic of South Carolina in the way that they play and how good they could possibly be. And then you have uh, Missouri, of course, which we know as the fighting Bobby Petrinos should be your most winnable game, but still will be a, a test. You know, you're not going to go in there and beat them 45 to nothing. It's just not going to happen. And then you have A&M, of course, in Arlington, where in that game, things, crazy things happen. You never really know. A&M more than likely will be a top five team at that point in time. But Arkansas always seems to play uh, a little bit better in Arlington than they would in uh, some other venues, or at least in a home and home. So looking at that four game stretch, here's my idea. Here's my ideology behind the whole thing. If, if Arkansas starts four and oh, they start the season four and oh, and they start the SEC slate two and oh, Arkansas is going to go 10 and two next year or this year, I should say, because if you start four and oh, you essentially have taken care of two SEC opponents, one of them being probably your second or at the minimum third most difficult SEC opponent in Texas A&M. And after that, you have Alabama at home, which even at home on the moon doesn't matter. You're not going to feel good about beating them. And then at Mississippi State, at BYU, and then a bye week, and then at Auburn. That middle of the road, that middle stretch to me is without question the most difficult stretch of the season, similar to what it was this past year. Because if you think about it, this past year, when you started 4-0, you went to 4-3. and Or I guess 4-4 four and four if you talk about the next four games. Because the only one you, game you won was UAPB, but you played at Georgia, at Ole Miss, and then Auburn at home. And you lost all three of those SEC games, and you dropped the game to UAPB. Then... The bye week happened. And then once the bye week happened, you finished strong. You ended up finishing the season strong. And so looking at the Bama, Mississippi State, BYU game stretch, because that's right before your bye week, I believe that there will be at least one, probably two losses in that stretch. I believe that it's going to be Alabama, maybe BYU, and then maybe Mississippi State, if you had to rank like the difficulty of those games. Especially BYU, because you're talking about a stretch where you played A&M, Bama, Mississippi State, three straight games. Uh, and, you know, who knows what your record ended up being. Even if you lose to Alabama, you're still probably a top 15 team. Uh, you're going to get team's best shot. Like, it, it's a tough stretch to go through, especially uh, going on the road against a BYU team who's coming off of a Notre Dame game. So who knows? Maybe they'll be beaten down a little bit. But I just look at it as... If you start 4-0 and that next four-game stretch, there's going to be two losses there. I don't think you're losing at Auburn. I, I really don't. I think that this year, you're as long as the refs don't screw you like they always do at Auburn, but also coming off of the bye week, that's usually when you play or at least supposed to play your best football, and I think Sam Pittman will make sure that his team is ready coming off of that. So there's two losses in there somewhere in that next four-game stretch. And then your final four games, to me, this is, now, and you people are probably going to throw things at me, but to me, this final four-game stretch 
is the easiest part of your schedule, which is exactly what you want to have if you're wanting to finish the season strong. You play Liberty at home for homecoming. That's Hugh Freeze's team. You should win that one. You get LSU and Ole Miss in back-to-back weekends. LSU and Ole Miss, they're still SEC West teams. They're still going to be good. They're still going to be teams that are at least competitive. But you are a better team than both of those teams. And you have those games at home. And with that setup, I believe that that should be wins regardless. Because you're at home. You have the better team. That should happen. Playing your best football at that point. And then you finish the season at at Missouri. Which Missouri is... Missouri, I, I, there'll be a good, fine SEC team, whatever, but you're a better team. You should win that game. So you're talking about you should go 4-0 at the end of the season. In your final four-game stretch, you should go 4-0. And then in that mid-game stretch, 3-1, and 2-2 two and two at the worst. And to me, and that is why that first four-game stretch is so important and why if you start 4-0, you go 10-2. and two. Now, if you go 3-1 and one to start the season, All right, which let's be honest, there's a few games there that you could end up losing, not trying to overlook anybody, not trying to, uh, you know, try to downplay anything. But say if you went three and one and your one loss was against Texas A&M, because I think that's going to be probably the most difficult of those four games. You start three and one. Then the next week, kind of the same situation, probably go two and two. And then your final stretch, even if you go four and zero, that puts you at nine and three. So if you go three and one to start the year, nine and three is still perfectly, perfectly in reach. But it also may give you the vibe of an eight and four season once again will possibly be in effect. And if you start the year two and two, if you start the year with with losses to say A and M and South Carolina, or A and M and Cincinnati, whoever, just pick a. Pick your poison. Pick your combo there. Obviously, you'd rather it be Cincinnati because you don't want the SEC schedule to be impacted there. But still, if you go two and two, you're probably going to go two and two in that next stretch. We'll make you at four and four. To, and then even at the end of the season to go four and oh down that stretch, if you've already lost four games, may not be as easy or may not be as achievable as you once thought. And so seven and five could be the situation you find yourself in. Six and six at the worst. But I say all of that and I break it all down that way and I, and I dive into it that way just to simply say this. If you start 4-0 and this year, if you're able to beat Cincinnati, beat South Carolina, beat Missouri State, and beat A&M down in Arlington, you start 4-0, you're going to go 10-2. and in fact, I would even make the argument that if you start 4-0 and you don't go 10-2, and it'll be kind of a bummer. Now, 9-3 and would still be an incredible year if you ended up doing that, absolutely, because it's still improvement from the previous season. But having the confidence that you would have in starting 4-0 and knowing that ahead of you in the final eight games of the season, your toughest games obviously are going to be Alabama at home. I think after that, honestly, BYU on the road will be your second most difficult game. Maybe at Mississippi State after that. And then the rest of them kind of fall into place. But my point is, is that if you have that type of start to the season, there's nobody ahead of you on the schedule 
that you're going to be looking at and say, well, that's a for sure loss besides, of course, Alabama. That's going to be the most difficult one. And honestly, imagine how insane it's going to be if Arkansas is 4-0 heading into that Bama game because Bama more than likely is going to be 4-0. You're talking about top 10, potentially a top 5 matchup, just kind of depending on the rankings go. But to me, that's where it all comes down. Can Arkansas start strong? Can they start the season 4-0? And if they do, double-digit wins is on the horizon. I think that is absolutely in play. And so this is why everyone talks about it. It's all about how you finish. Of course it is. We know it is. But for Arkansas, the season is going to be dictated by how they start. And if they start strong, they'll be able to finish strong with that schedule, and they'll be able to have another incredible season one that they can build upon from last year. And man, oh man, people are really going to start buying into Sam Pittman in the Razorback football program then. We'll talk uh, more about some of the defensive backs and the situations they find themselves in. We'll hear from Dominic Bowman as well. Uh, but I tell you, tell you, as you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so continuing on with the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, uh, by the way, apparently my chair is, is here when I'm doing my podcast has been like lowering slowly as the segments go on. So I'm having to reset it during the commercial break. So I'm sure it's pretty funny if you watch it on full speed. I'm like slowly just moving down. But anyways, uh, that's it's really annoying. But still, uh, cool things that are happening, of course, that we have a chance to talk to some coaches and uh, especially some of the coaches, the coordinators and everything I'm sure we'll get to hear from. But in, in this particular case, getting to hear from new cornerback coach, Dominic Bowman. Now, Dominic Bowman is a guy that, uh, a lot of people were high on when they hired him. Coming out of Marshall, uh, I know that like Brandon Marcello, for instance, of 24-7 Sports, a guy who covers college football, he said that this is one of the, the big-time risers when it comes to coaches on the rise. And obviously, uh, Barry Odom knew him from uh, when Barry Odom was the uh, defense coordinator at Memphis and the, the connections there. And even uh, Dominic Bowman has a lot of connections to Arkansas, played at Monticello, so... There's a there's a lot of uh, cool little things going on there, but one of the cool things I think from yesterday when we had a chance to hear from Dominic Bowman was him talking about the process and knowing Barry Odom and, and also knowing the type of coach that he is and the fact that Arkansas is indeed a dream job for him. Take a listen. I, I don't really go in looking for a job. I just work. You know, he, he you know he never told me that, but we you know good job, coach, and you know you're a good coach, that kind of deal. I never thought about it in like, what, 2013? I don't remember when it was, 12, whatever. No, he never told me when to hire me. I didn't think that, you know, it's just how it works. You know, it come full circle. But, you know, over the years, we text and keep in touch and good luck. And I post some stuff on Twitter, he'll respond to it. And, you know, good job, coach. I ran a drill yesterday, whatever the case may be. 
And uh, so I didn't know it was going to be open, and it opened up. And, you know, I'm from Forest City, Arkansas. My parents were born in Forest City. I was born in Forest City. I moved to Memphis as a, you know, uh, adolescent. But my dad and my parents and everybody, is, you know, this is no brand. This is this is the best job in the country for me, you know. So I was excited to get the opportunity. I thought it was a really great clip and really great to hear from cornerback coach Dominic Bowman just about the, the connections that he has to Arkansas and, and the fact that, you know, how, how the process played out where he's like, I, I'm not looking for coaching jobs. I wasn't looking for jobs. I wasn't out there just trying to see, hey, what's a, what, where can I get out of this place? He's approaching it to where Barry Odom, in this case, saw him, knew him, had the connection, kind of kept his eye on him and saying, you know, how's this guy going to progress? And then when the opening happened after Sam Carter left or was fired or whatever you want to call it, he was the first phone call that he made to Dominic Bowman. And of course, he took the job. And I kind of talked about this yesterday on the podcast when discussing how cool it is to have coaches who have those strong ties to Arkansas and uh, how it's approached for them and, and, you know, the way that they do everything like that. I just think it's so cool when you have a guy like Dominic Bowman, who also has connections to the state of Arkansas, who also has been a part of this program, or at least a part of this state for a little bit, and understands that, hey, coming to this type of place and being able to coach in this type of capacity is something that is extremely helpful and also really cool for him to be in that situation. And from what it sounds like, at least for this guy, he has a lot of energy. He's very passionate. He understands schematics. He understands, you know, plays. He understands, you know, the basics of what it takes to be an elite cornerback. But he also approaches it with a particular passion that Sam Pittman has been talking about when it comes to the culture of the coaches that he wants guys that want to be there, that want to have the energy to be brought and to be able to fit right in with what they're trying to do. And so all those things kind of encompass itself and be able to discuss exactly like, you know, how, how this is going to get better, how this position group is going to get better. You're talking about a guy who in Dominic Bowman is a guy that gets it and how he understands that position. And he understands how blessed he is to be in that position and why he is not going to take it for granted, looking at an opportunity to not only coach in the SEC, which so many coaches want to do to take that next step, but also to coach in the SEC at a place like Arkansas where he has such strong connections and being a part of. So all those things factoring in, I think this guy's going to be a rock star. I think that when you see the the difference that are going to be made in the secondary, I think there's a few tweaks here and there. And in fact, we will, uh, got a chance to hear from a few of the cornerbacks and like one of the changes that they've made. But just you know, looking at that from that scope and looking at the guys that are still on the team, guys got added to the team through the transfer portal, that cornerback position I think is going to be elevated and be so much better than what it was last year. Not to say that it was bad last year, but I think Arkansas upgraded. I think Arkansas upgraded with the players because I think Breeny and, and you know Dwight McLaughlin and those defensive backs, whatever positions that they actually end up playing, they're going to be in, in perfect spots. I think Malik Chavis and Hudson Clark, you know, the no-fly zone, uh, I think that they're going to be uh, improved upon and developed. So you're talking about new guys that get added. You got some old guys that have been around, and then you got a new coach who I think is a sincere upgrade from what Arkansas had before. All those pieces together is going to make for a great product in the cornerback room. So I'm looking forward to it. We know how important it is and to be successful in that position at the SEC, but uh, I expect it to be even better this upcoming year. And we'll talk about one of those particular players in the cornerback room, why people need to stop hating on him here on the other side of the break on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. 
You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so the final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, you know, we've talked about uh, some some players and some coaches and, and some changes there that have happened. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to bring up was about Hudson Clark, the cornerback for Arkansas. We actually had a chance to hear from him. And uh, there are a few things I wanted to point out, a few clips that we have, actually, uh, that I wanted to play as well. So we'll start with uh, Hudson Clark speaking on the role that he wants to play on this team. Um, my role, I just wherever coach plays me, special teams, um, whether it starts me or not, really doesn't matter to me. Just um, kind of doing my job, doing what I'm coached. It's um, basically it. Man of so many words. That's the thing is uh, you love that type of aspect from any type of player where it's like, hey, I don't I don't care if I'm starting. I don't care if I'm you know coming off the bench, whatever it may be. I am going to be ready. I'm going to be that player that just helps the team out in any way I can. And it's a mentality that a lot of players have. But uh, you especially want it from a guy like Hudson Clark, who has played and has started many games at Arkansas from, you know, 2020. He was a, like if you think about it, he was a freshman. And the last year, he was a sophomore, retro sophomore, I guess. And then this year, you still got two years of Hudson Clark. And so each year, he's gotten better and better. And the fact that he's still taking that capacity, or at least that mentality, where even though I've played a lot, even though I've started a lot, even though I feel like I've proved myself, I'm still going to play whatever role that I need to play. I'm going to be on the team in any capacity that they need me to be on. I'll figure it out from there. But not only that, but uh, Malik Chavis, who uh, is one of the other cornerbacks, he switched positions. He was actually asked about Hudson Clark and the type of player he is, and here's what he had to say. Right, same thing with Hudson. He's just a good player all around. He's smart, you know, be in the right place at the right time, got great technique, and he's just a good overall player. That's my dog. Appreciate it. That's his dog. So if I didn't tell you, if that's not a ringing endorsement of how good he is, I mean, and, and I know that it was, you know, you could say, oh, well, that was just player speak. That was just cliche nonsense. Okay, whatever, fine. But the fact is, is that I will never understand and this is why I play these clips and why I wanted to talk about it. I'll never understand a lot of the hatred and criticism that gets thrown towards Hudson Clark. Because if you look at his numbers and you look at his ability, folks, he's good. You think Sam Pittman and Barry Odom are playing Hudson Clark because they have no one else that's better? I mean, and you think about if they had such an issue with him, if he was so bad, like everybody tries to make him out to be, don't you think that they would have told him, hey, maybe you need to transfer out or go into the portal and say, hey, we need to find somebody to replace this guy. Like, don't you think that they would do that? Don't you think Barry Odom knows defense, knows secondary, knows cornerbacks and says, all right, well, I mean, you think you're playing him just because of, well, he's a good kid. He's nice. You think Dominique Bowman, new coach comes in with all the guys he has in the cornerback room. Do you think that? He's playing Hudson Clark and really likes Hudson Clark and he's going to put him in a position that just because no, like I, and here's the thing that I know I'm, I'm not, I hate when people do this, but I know that it's, there's a lot of truth to it. There's a lot of people that don't like Hudson Clark simply because he's white and he plays at the cornerback position. There's a lot of people that feel that way. Let's get the, let's address the elephant in the room. There are people that feel that way for whatever reason. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong if you do it for anybody. But it's wrong if people are believing that and have that mentality because of you know Hudson Clark's skin color. That doesn't matter. Can the guy play? Yes, he can. And if you look again, look at the grades, look at how he plays. He's really good. He's a SEC caliber cornerback. 
And you're going to see a lot of great things happen from him this year. Cause again, like people brought up, there's like, well, what about Missouri in 2020? He got burned. He was a freshman, a freshman. And last year, he was a guy who played a lot. He had started four games last year, played in all 12 games. Like, and it, like people bring up, well, he got burned against Auburn. Okay, you know how many corner, other cornerbacks for Arkansas got burned at times last year? It's going to happen. You're going to get burned in the SEC. It's going to happen. So I think that this is going to be another great year for Hudson Clark. I don't know why I'm having to come out and defend him because, again, he is a high-quality SEC cornerback. Like, is he going to be all SEC? No. And when I say high-quality SEC cornerback, I'm saying that he could go to other SEC teams and still play and still start and still be a part of it. Like, it has nothing to do with, you know, him just being at Arkansas and they're giving him the job. Because that's, again, three years now. He's going to enter into year three. Sam Pittman has proven that if something's not working or if something's not good, he's going to change it, whether it's coaching, whether it's roster changes, whatever. If it's not working, if he doesn't like it, he's going to change it. Heading into year three, Hudson Clark is still there. Hudson Clark is still going to play. Hudson Clark could end up starting a lot of games this year. And those are coming from guys, and those are decisions being made by guys that know a lot more about football than me or you or any of us combined. So I say all that because I am a Hudson Clark defender. I like Hudson Clark. I think he's a quality player. I think that he's a guy that gets unfairly criticized all the time for reasons that are so dumb and so stupid. And I can't wait to see what he can do this year. I, you know, when you talk about HUD Island, I'm on HUD Island too. I'm rooting for the guy. I think he's going to have a good year. And I can't wait to come onto this podcast at the end of the season after he gets 18,000 interceptions and just tell all of you, I told you so. So just be on the lookout, be fair in your criticisms, and understand that, hey, this guy is a good cornerback. He's not All-American, but he is a dadgum good cornerback. Accept that. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.